Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the Michael Mann film, Collateral, starring Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, everybody. Welcome in to episode 187 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with Nick Cheney. Hey. Mm-hmm. And Toussaint Egan. Hey. Hi. Everyone's in a great mood. This is wonderful. Well, we just watched a slightly downer of a movie. Yes. Slightly. Yes, the uh, 2007 Sidney Lumet film, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It was good, but it was uh, it was quite harrowing. Yeah. Yeah. Quite harrowing? Harrowing. Harrowing? Harrowing. Heroin. H-A-R-R-O-W-I-N-G. Heroin. I don't know if we're ever going to talk about that film someday. We definitely don't need to talk about it in depth or anything like that. Right. Uh, I will say, uh, although I did very much enjoy the film, um, the idea of like going back to like different time periods and different points of view, even if it's only a few days, I thought was a little bit stupid. Hmm. It was okay. I think... We could have figured it out as a viewer without having to have the editing and going back to that person's perspective. Yeah, but. the story doesn't really benefit for for that kind of structure, I think. I think it's just, uh, it's okay. I'm sorry that... Clearly Nick is disagreeing with us. I'm sorry, that's okay. But you know what, Nick? <laughs> we could save this for an episode in the future and return to this film because that's not the well, film we're talking about this week, are we? Are we? As... I like how Tucson is now the czar of only talking about what we are talking about on this podcast, and we cannot deviate. Oh, want to hear something funny? Uh, this is some film tank lore. Oh, no. Uh, I was uh, going through a lot of old photos I have on my computer of just friends and whatnot, okay. events, whatever. And you didn't find any of us? Nope. Okay. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, no, but I found the four photos that I randomly took of all four of us. By all four, I'm also referring to our long-lost uh, uh, co-host, Kenny Marcellus. You got lost uh, at sea. R.I.P. And um, that's rest in podcasts. That's not I – didn't, I didn't mean he died. And um, I found the original four photos that I took of myself, Alex, Toussaint, and Kenny, mm-hmm. uh, which I want to say maybe during our first episode, if not during like yeah. our second oh or something God. like that. And so here's the greatest part. I took it. Uh, I took everybody's photo while we were recording, mm-hmm. okay? So it's not like they were kind of candid and whatnot. And literally, Kenny, <laughs> Alex, and myself <laughs> in each of our individual photos are like – either talking or look at whatever, and Toussaint is on his goddamn fucking <laughs> cell phone. Yes, I am. 
I, that, I it made me that. chuckle. I remember that, yeah. It, it was pretty great. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. But I think I had them on the website at one point. They might still be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're on our Instagram page, too, okay, if you want to go try to find them. Yeah. But, Kenny, Kenny didn't have a beard at that time, did he? Nope. Uh... No, no, he didn't. Well, it may have just been like a. Small, I was gonna say, like, right, I think right. I think he had some, but not he had like short he, hair. And not like what he does right now. Yeah, he, he had a facial hair, but he didn't have a beard. He he has like long yeah. hair and a full beard. Well, he's been lost at sea, so you know that happens. Oh boy, mm. only to me. Oh. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so anyways. We are not just talking about uh, before the devil knows you're dead. Uh, we are going to be talking shortly about the Michael Mann film Collateral. Before we get to that, this morning, uh, which the, today is April 3rd of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, the first trailer came out for the Joker film that is being released by DC, directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix. And I don't really know uh, to if saying that this is a film that people have been anticipating would be accurate. Cause I think this is such a weird project that a lot of people who are in the, you know, cinephile range really had no idea what to think about, about this. Uh, but now that the footage is out and the tone has somewhat been set um, and we've seen exactly what at least it would appear that Todd Phillips is going to deliver on screen. Um, people are basically throwing rose petals at this film already. Uh, and I'm interested, and I know uh, our co-host many times, or co-host, but guest many times, Brian, uh, posed the question to us about what we, what, what we all thought about it and what we were looking forward to about it and uh, thought it would be a good thing to talk about because this is such an interesting thing where... We all know what the Joker is. We all know what that character is. And the Joker has also been such a huge success in cinema when it comes to DC, specifically to Batman films, minus that Suicide Squad business with Jared Leto, um, that this is such a weird place where you have no idea what a film is going to be, uh, but you know everything about the character, at least what you preconceived about the character uh and then we get delivered today and it is just totally unique totally different from what i would say anyone's seen previously uh at least uh i would say on the screen on on the screen yeah well and live action too because this did actually remind me a lot of uh, some of the parts of the killing joke yeah i was gonna say that this is definitely um like the whole idea of him being like a failed comedian or just like a working class dude who just eventually has one bad day or subsequent bad days that just result in him like cracking up his his psychosis like that is that's from Alan Moore's The Killing Joke that's pretty much um one of the most popular if not like unofficially the unof- the official um origin story for the Joker as people usually Recognize that, I think, but even in that, I was going to say yeah. story, he famously also doesn't he say that he uh, has like you know if I'm going to have a pass, I'd rather have it be multiple choice, right? right. So, so he could even be lying. in that right. the most I would say I'm with you in that that's right. the most famous. It's also the one that acknowledges that mm-hmm. the mutability of these characters, like yeah. when 
when Alex is talking about how we already know who these characters are, we know what is going to be the ultimate conclusion of them becoming those characters, but we just don't know what you know, we, we don't know the we don't know the exact pathway that this particular iteration is going to go through. That, that, you, that's, but we know we know the character traits. We, we know, know the character traits. The, yeah, we, we, know, we know what the Joker's about. But we do, well, we know what the Joker's about, but we don't know how this Joker gets from like point A and point B to finally point C, mm-hmm. right? And when you're talking about that, it reminds me of that show Gotham, which I've only seen like a couple of episodes of. And I just, Nick has become a fan I, over the years. Yes. And, I, and I've heard that it's, it's pretty um, nonsensical at some points. And I, yeah. I've, I've, That's I've, when it gets good. I've, I've partially followed the uh, story about how that show's iteration of the Joker comes about, which is just <laughs> absolutely fucking bonkers. Well, it's bonkers, and it was also not... By choice, in the sense that they knew they had to, but they also literally did not have the rights to say the word Joker. Yeah, they had to wait. So they could... So they... Do they have the rights to the other villains? Yeah. Oh. I don't know what it was. I can't remember. But, like, basically... I don't know if it's DC or Warner Brothers, but Joker is too hot of a whatever that unless they sign off on it being a presentation of they can't and they weren't going to give it that was kind of the deal with um when the justice league or justice league unlimited series was going out like they couldn't acknowledge robin for some reason because they wanted to partition things off or even when the teen Titans show was like going on they for some whatever reason they didn't want people to confuse the continuity of these different properties even though they were airing at the same time and so they sort of hearkened to the fact that that robin was mentored by somebody who we know is Batman, but they never say. Yeah. They, they just say is like you know, like who knows? Maybe someday you'll you'll grow to think of me as a father. It's like I already have a father, and then bats fly up, and you know who the fuck it is, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They're laying that on pretty thick. Yeah, but like they can't say it. They can't. Yeah. Well, so since you're on the topic, I don't. I've never. I mean, I've seen people's rankings of top villains ever. Is Joker unanimously thought of as the top? comic book villain of all time comic book yeah i mean if we're talking about american comic books i mean it sounds about right probably the most iconic villain in in i was gonna say if not the most represented yeah the most kind of a big thing the most represented the most oversaturated i would say it's um i think the whole would would, would that be true if it were not for tim burton's batman um i think that it would still be true in the sense that i think that the joker was already well established to be um i mean the killing joke came out in the 80s yeah the Mm -hmm. batman's like primary antagonist like the killing joke and the dark knight returns had already come out before batman uh, the Tim Burton film came out, and those two comics, I yeah, think, but I'm, not, I'm, only, I'm, not I'm, only informed like that canon, but also the the texture of that film. But I know I, I'm, 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 I'm all encompassing here, right? Right. So, I know. Yeah, yeah. I I think that it is the Joker is definitely probably the most iconic like American uh, like comic villain. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a single instance that would compete. So yeah. yeah. So so I've kind of teed up everything, but. The actual trailer, and we can probably debate this if we wanted to, but right. um, my thought about the trailer is it was fantastic. It brought a totally different tone than we've seen in even the good DC films. Uh, it looks like a 
absolutely horrifying movie in terms of not scary, but also <laughs> terrifying. Uh, and at the same time, um, you have a horrifically good performance at the center of all this, which again, you don't generally see uh, in these kind of films. So, um, that being said, even two that, minute trailer uh, um, and DC's put out really good trailers for shitty films already, so they've got a bad track record with that. So, eh. I'm I'm looking forward to the film itself because I think that the trailer looks good. I'm really interested in Zazie Beetz character um, as sort of a love interest for this iteration of the Joker and just seeing like where that goes. I don't think that it's going to end up with her becoming like Harley Quinn or any shit like that. Cause I, I just don't see that happening, but I'm just looking forward to seeing how that relationship complicates his evolution into this character. And just like, I, I think that she's a great actress and I'm looking forward to seeing her performance in that. I'm looking forward to the film. I'm not looking forward to the sort of, marketing and promotion and culture surrounding the film just because I feel like the at least within like comic book circles um the Joker especially with when it starts with like Heath Ledger's iteration of the Joker I'm willing to venture to say that the Joker was to nihilistic shitlords like the proto Rick Sanchez before like Rick and Morty came out like it's just like oh my god! It's like everything he's saying is just truth to power. It's like exactly. the world is really. I'm not saying I don't understand what you're saying. But yeah, you have to think that the at least in my opinion, the reason why the whole Rick Sanchez thing is because he still has these sentimental moments of like oh Morty. People find a way to send him like be sentimental to the Joker for some reason. People find a reason to be sentimental to fucking Charles Manson. The okay, and I'm not saying that they literally do it. I'm talking. It's just a, I don't know. It's just a, I, I, I know it's not a one to one, but I'm saying that people take quotes from these both characters and be like, "Oh man, this is like the animating ethos of my fucking life." See, I think of it more as one to one of like the Joker to Tower Durden, which is yeah. less that they care about him as a person, yeah. and more of just like what he represents. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that people think Rick and Morty like that. Uh, Rick is like actually a good person deep down inside. Mm, yeah. I mean, the crazy people that watch the show and right. whatnot. Yeah. I think that Tyler Durden is probably a better example for that. Yeah. But I just like, I find I, 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 in either case, I find it kind of insufferable. I'm not looking forward to that sort of cultural conversation. It's like, Oh my God, is this the darkest version of the Joker? Oh my God. He's so complicated. He laughs and then he shoots people. Oh my God. You've never seen that before. I don't give a fuck. It's going to be a good movie. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. 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 I'm. I thought the trailer looked pretty good, but also I, to to what end? I'm not entirely sure. Like, and I know that sounds maybe too early to even really talk about that, but right. I'm not trying to give an answer so much as say like, just because it was entertaining for the two minutes and whatnot. I, what are we going to say in this movie that we haven't already said? Just you know, you can't just turn the. <laughs> the lighting, you know, to a different filter and have a caliber actor come in and expect it to be all that much different. Well, and uh, the shot that everybody not loved but remembered from the Suicide Squad trailer regarding the Joker uh, was just of him laughing with all the knives pointed at him as the camera's panning away. 
uh, in the trailer, you're intrigued by why would that happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it shows up in the film, and it's, it's just because. exactly that. It's just because. <laughs> yep. It was a good shot, and, they, and there was no reason for that. It was right. just because. It takes place in the middle of a boring scene. Yeah. And... I'm not saying that Todd Phillips would do that, and I think DC's uh, made it to the point where they're not going to necessarily make a film like that. No, I mean, but it looks same... watchable in a way mm-hmm. that Suicide Squad's final product was not, right. in my opinion. No, nope. I don't. Uh, rock. <laughs> so it's like, on the one hand, I'm glad that it it's gonna work, but my biggest thing is just kind of, I I really need to know, even if I love Joaquin Phoenix, which I do, uh, what am what am I gonna get from this that I haven't gotten from another Joker movie other than a new Joker performance like that? It already looks good, but. Like now that I saw that he could do it, I don't. Am I that interested in seeing him yeah. do it for a hundred minutes? I. I mean, is is what's the what's the goal here? Like, is the goal yeah. to establish a great Joker in this DC universe, or is the goal here to retcon the mistake they made with Jared Leto? The goal is to make money off of a highly recognizable character while also bearing a previous iteration of See, the character. See, here's that the weird totally thing about this, though. Thing. This is this. Here's the weird thing. And Brian brought this up, and he asked if this is going to be rated PG-13 or R. And after watching the trailer, I don't really know how this could not be rated R. I mean, I would like it if it was rated R, just because I, if you're going to bring this talent, if you're going to bring these people into this, like, why not just, like, take it all the way? Just because I mean, you have the people, Joker... The yeah, jo- you have people co- bring... The Joker the can... like, Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy and right. things like that. And you're gonna you're gonna make a PG thirteen movie. You're like? gonna make a PG thirteen taxi driver. That's okay. I don't give a fuck about that. I don't. I absolutely do not give a fuck about that at all. And I'm not gonna. And, and, well, why why should I care? Like it's, but the other thing is, we've seen the PG thirteen Joker film. Yeah, and, even and it was if, bad. Even, um, no, I mean all the all, all the movies the Joker's been in have been PG thirteen. I'm like, sorry, I was thinking so, about uh, I'm Suicide just, I'm Squad. Just th- I'm just thinking in general. Yeah, so for the Killing Joke. Yeah. Uh. That, that was, was not rated that, R. That was not that good. No. Nope. <laughs> um, well, the film, the, the film, not, not the, yeah, not the, the, the second yeah. half was okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the actual comic. Right. <laughs> not the part with uh, Batwoman and Batgirl and other shit like that. Yeah. That's fine. It wasn't rape. Um, oh god. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I w- I was a fan of the trailer, and I thought it was it looked beautiful. The scene of him running through the tunnel, where you first see the shadow, and then you see him running uh, with the way the camera is slowly moving, was absolutely fantastic. Um, and the fact that this was directed by Todd Phillips makes me even more intrigued after seeing this trailer, because a he delivered this kind of footage that could be made into a trailer. And B, I'm very interested to see what he's going to do with humor throughout this film, and uh, I want to know what that looks like. Hopefully, it doesn't look like The Hangover Three, um, but I'm oh, pretty much yeah. Uh, I'm interested, and I already kind of was down to see this movie, but even even more so now. Um, and and to go off of what Tucson was saying, I'm interested to see if. The reaction to the trailer today, which has been pretty buzzy, I feel like, uh, will at all change the promotional plan. I know we'll really never know, but maybe there won't be some giant, huge campaign. It'll just be a kind of downplayed, slow, 
getting people just to go see what this is in the theater and not, you know, 10,000 commercials the week before being like, go I, see the Joker. I He's think, fucked up. I think it's going to be the the latter, not the former. I don't I don't think that uh, uh, DC knows how to help themselves after what happened with Suicide Squad. I think that you'd think that they would learn their lesson. But um, I, I'm more cynical when it comes to um, Hollywood studios, let alone uh, comic book studios. This also has a really weird release time for a superhero movie. Coming out in October. It's com- coming out in the middle of the dead season. When is uh, this horror? When is the new... Uh, I, mean, I think that's what they're going for. When, when is the new Star Wars coming out? December. Week, week before Christmas. Oh, okay. That's cool. As they do. I was yeah. going to say they've got that spot on lockdown. Speaking of big releases, so Avengers Endgame. Yeah. yeah. That's going to come out. That is so going to come, come out. out. Very interesting to see what happens. I'm interested because the fact of its three hours runtime means that it's going to have less showings. And I am interested if that will at no. all affect the box office. I don't think it's going to have less showings. I... Th- I don't know how it literally can't i think that disney has these people by the balls and they're gonna just do whatever the fuck they want that's fine i don't care if you if you have a film that's three hours and against that ever three hours and two minutes i think what alex is saying if not will people go see it but how many you can schedule in a day so will the total revenue Mm -hmm. end up suffering because of how many you can squeeze in yeah that's yeah which I, I get. I, I don't know. I think, if anything, it'll still break a record somehow. Oh, no. I mean, the the fact that the first day doubled the uh, doubled the first week from Infinity War in terms of pre-buy is yeah. that's a pretty big deal, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. It's kind of one under the radar. I got to see yeah. how my superheroes come back. I got to see how my action figures are come back out of the, uh, the, the dust, you know? I got to... They're, I gotta say, they're gotta pro- smash them together. Their promotional uh, breadcrumbs they've been laying for this film have been pretty good. I think mm. there mm. there really hasn't been much. There really hasn't been trailer that seems like it's giving away too much of a storyline. But man, but, the yeah. Russo brothers sound like idiots when they talk about this movie. <laughs> the other day they said you're gonna want to see. Endgame in the theaters because they said this is a direct quote that there are a lot of spoilers in the movie. What? Because apparently spoilers are now synonymous with things that happen in the movie itself. <sighs> I'm so tired. I'm, I, I can't wait until... I was gonna say I was, I was like I was gonna say that I can't wait until the superhero movies are over, but I know that's not gonna happen. So instead, I'm I can't wait until the sun explodes because that's probably gonna happen before these fucking suck. They'll still uh, find a way. They'll still find a way to film and show these, even in darkness. We've got to get the asses yeah. in the seats. Yeah, I gotta get the asses in the seats. No yeah. one's alive. There's no water. Fuck it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah. So we're eventually going to do an episode on that, and hopefully it doesn't run for the same uh, length of time as the movie itself. Because we'll have to not invite Dan for that episode. Because uh, God Almighty, I cannot uh, imagine. <laughs> Damn, I can't imagine having Dan if you're that, listening. That kind of uh, 
No, that's all in good fun to Dan. Yeah, no, that, I know. We have really good conversation with Dan, and he actually brings notes to these episodes. He yeah. does. Yeah. But at the same time... Actually, you know what? A lot of our guests do. Yeah, Brian does. Uh, Sam did the other yeah. day. Yeah. So, yeah. Really, it's just us who yeah. are shitheads. Yeah. I mean, I bring notes. I brought notes to us. So it's just me and you, then. I think it's what Tucson is saying. He... I bring notes. <laughs> He's pointing to his temple right now. So, you know, he just like locks it into his head and then that's the uh that's the thing that he's got right there. It's like, yep, he's pointing a little uh little little uh something right there. Anyway, um but you know podcasting right there. Yeah, you know what I'm really looking forward to? You know what I'm really looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Under the Silver Lake because I know that's not going to be good. I know it's not going to be good, but you know what? I really enjoyed It Follows, and I'm still yeah. willing to go to bat for It Follows. Yeah, that I movie's gonna, the... My movie's going to be a failure at the theater. I know it's going to be a movie at the theater. It's going to be a it's failure. It's going to be a movie at the theater. It's going to be a movie at the theater, and it's going to be a failure, but you know what? I'm still going to show up for it because I told myself, I told myself after the enthusiasm that I brought uh, to It Follows that I would watch whatever he came out with. Um, afterwards, whether it, you're feeling upset about that, no, I'm not feeling upset about it. I'm just like, no, I'm just like, you know, I I, I'm, I'm remembering for the fact that, you know, outside of the concept itself, I thought that it was an interesting film and that he is capable of at least, if not making a film that speaks to a lot of different gratifications, he actually tapped into something that's sort of like hewed into my gratifications personally. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I'm willing to be, you know, I'm willing to, to open myself up to the possibility of being surprised. About that film, so yeah. who knows? Who knows what will come out of it? I don't know. We'll, I don't know much about it, but let's see, see if that movie actually gets released this year. Yeah, hopefully that, that and New Mutants. Most, we'll see if both those come. Yeah, out. Yeah, New Mutants is not coming out. Yeah, <laughs> most critics who have seen Under the Silver Light have basically, uh, like, has basically said uh, that when they saw it, you know, uh, that there was nothing wrong. Like, no one like thought you, it was like you, a masterpiece. You were saying that people were kind of confused why it was having so much rework. Yeah, that. like they're like. Like, uh, nobody thought it was, like, amazing, and yet they're all like, yeah, that seemed like a decent movie. That would definitely be a festival thing that will come out by A24. Like, it just, that would have just went down that trajectory, and then maybe 10 years from now be forgotten. But there was just nothing that they said with that, like, perplexing as to, like, oh, this definitely won't sit right with. I mean, if you're going to go see the movie based on that trailer, you're expecting a movie that's not going to add up and whatever. Yeah. So. I don't know. I will go see that film, and also I'll rewatch It Follows with you guys later this year, just because I've committed myself to that. Woo-hoo. Unfortunately, I've also somehow committed myself to going to see the new Ari Aster film, Midsummer. Yeah, that uh, is going to be the worst two hours of my year, probably. What if What if you end up loving it? I don't see it. Now, I'm going to go in with shockingly low expectations, so maybe... What would you rather watch, an Ari Aster film or a Nicholas Winding Refn film? Um, I've seen a good film from Nicholas Winding Refn. Okay. So the potential's there. He just hasn't recently. But the Neon Demon? Yeah. No, that wasn't good. That was, that was really good. That's your opinion. We don't need to go back and rehash this. More like a fact, but... You, you really didn't like his previous film. I have not seen... Although uh, I've been meaning to rewatch it. Which, which one is that? The... Only God Forgives. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of people out there that didn't care for that. There's also a lot of people who didn't care for the Neon Demon, so. Yeah, and they're going to go to hell. <laughs> neon hell? What's up? Any idea we have to, like, go deeper into it? What's he up to? Is he 
Raffin? Yeah. He's, he's working on a series be, right now. Yeah, he's supposed to be doing a espionage series for Amazon. Hmm. What's it called? I forgot what it's called, uh, but it had a decent cast the last time I looked. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, he was supposed to be working on that at least. I don't know. Okay. Well, and also, interestingly enough, he is also working on curating films because he has his own website. It's called where... Too Old to Die Young. Hmm, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, but on his website, if anyone Googles Nicholas Winding Refn, he curates movies every week or every month where he shows three films and you can watch them on your browser and if you can cast it to a device, you know, whatever. And they're like handpicked by him and they're supposed to be like obscure like exploitation cinema basically thing that i would absolutely love uh and have guest people writers contribute uh essays and such attached to each film and so he seems like a cool dude he would definitely want you to think that why don't you start the fucking review uh also too uh really quick before we get to it um, you sure? Yeah, no. Uh, I have not watched the trailer for it yet, but I believe the trailer came out for the uh, new Jim Jarmusch film. Oh, I haven't watched it either. But I it, forgot. But I've I've read that people who like him are really looking forward to this movie. I'm sure they are. Like, I don't even need to see the trailer, too, <laughs> to, but I'll probably watch it after we do this episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, he's, uh, he's back. Yeah. <sighs> his first film since Patterson? Yeah. Okay. That wasn't that long. It was two and a half years ago? Yeah, like roughly. Okay. <sighs> what a great guy. Yeah. I'll probably end up going to see that too. You would actually like this one more than the one you've seen. Oh, I'm sure I will. Okay. Yeah. It looks more pal- uh, palatable. Wow. So today uh, we are talking about a film uh, that I absolutely love. So does Nick. Uh, and, two, and so do I. And so does Tucson. All right. Three We're for done. Three. Yeah, we don't even need to do this episode. Great. Uh, by a director who has had a quite storied career uh, and has had ups and downs, I would say, throughout his career in terms of popularity and uh, notoriety. Who hasn't? Um, yeah, it's pretty much uh, true. PTA has been pretty much... I think, on an upward trajectory. I was going to say, even though he's had highs and lows, Martin Scorsese's had a lot of winners over the years. True. He's had some periods that were not great. Quentin Tarantino has largely had a pretty consistent, just as far as people talking about him and people liking him. So really, Toussaint, we just named three white dudes who have not had ups and downs, according to our superior film taste. Jesus. Compared to everybody else. It would be white dudes one day. <laughs> anyway, continue. Who all have happened to work for Harvey Weinstein at some point? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you literally pause to think about that. You're like, oh, shit. Just line that one up, huh, buddy? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, okay. Anyway, let's talk about this movie. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, the Michael Mann film we are going to review is Collateral, uh, which was released in 2004 and stars Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx and also features performances by Mark Ruffalo, Jada Pinkett Smith, Peter Berg makes an appearance here, and also uh, we get some nice little performances by Bruce McGill and also Javier Bardem. Yeah, that's... What a fucking cast, right? 
It's pretty solid. It's it's nuts to 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 go back and watch one of these films from like the early aughts and to see these actors who, over a decade later, have cemented their their careers and their personalities in properties that are just like when they were just bit players in this in this other in this other vehicle and now they are like they're leading the charge in their own ways like Harvey Bardem. I mean. Yeah, like looking at like Mark Ruffalo, and I mean, I guess this is a pejorative, but he's like playing a wigger in this movie. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. <laughs> it's kind of nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Harvey Bardem is just like this, you know. This he's n- telling stories about Santa Claus and shit. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> How fucking furious do you think Santa Claus would be? Yeah. Ah, love it. So yeah, there. I mean, there's just a lot of really uh, interesting performances to go with what you were saying, Tucson. Yeah. Uh, you know, other than just the Mark Ruffalo and also the Javier Bardem, this is a somewhat early-ish role for Jada Pinkett Smith. This I is mean, when Jada Pinkett Smith was still working, like persistently working. Like the la- what was the last thing that she's been a part of besides Gotham? Magic Mike XXL. Oh, you yeah. son of a. Bitch. Oh yeah, that's right. But when She's did that great, come that, out? By the way, twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Like three or four years ago. Yeah, exactly. Was like that was the last big thing. Oh, uh, have you done anything as great as her in that movie? She's in an your actress. Lifetime? She's a fucking actress. What else has she been working on? Wow. I'm just saying. She was in the Matrix. She's a goddess. Yeah, uh, but that was. <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking with you. Yeah. Uh, the last, other than Gotham. Uh, the last film she was in was Girls Trip in 2017. Yeah. Oh my god, I remember also, the she died, for that. Also, she died in Gotham so that the show could get good. So I wouldn't put <laughs> Gotham up in her, uh, shall we say. That's the last thing that I remember her like no, being I mean, attached yeah. to as a name. Yeah, like that yeah. was they, they were marketing the show in part with her in the it. The thing about Gotham that's weird that the pilot, she's the best part about the pilot. And then from episode two on, it was like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> you know, that's too much of a good thing as far as that's really fucking obnoxious every week. And then sure enough, after one season, they're like, yeah, you're, you're going to die. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then we haven't even gotten to the main performances here, which are Tom Jimmy. Cruise with his dyed hair and uh, Jimmy Fox, who's still delivering a uh oscar nominee performance oh really yep forgot about that yeah huh. don't forget about jason statham yeah huh. that For... was that was interesting <laughs> i looked up um that cameo it's not even a cameo it's just sort of like a it was just like, not like, that popular like, at yeah the time. like an inadvertent I mean, he was nod. A name yeah i'm pretty sure he literally took an hour away from doing a transporter Filming, Dude. just walked over and played that exact same character because f- that only is the only character he knows how to play. I fucked with those transporter movies when I yeah, was like I could see thirteen that. years old, and those were coming out. They're okay. I yeah. could see anybody with any, especially the first one, any yeah. vehicle that Jason Statham is driving, being like, oh, "I love that guy." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Driving a vehicle, yeah, yeah <laughs> which is you know he was he was driving a vehicle and he was also you know the head of a franchise, so I was like you know that's one way of driving two ways of driving a vehicle, you know what I mean? Hey. Hey. Speaking of driving, uh, this film centers around a cab driver who finds himself the hostage of an engaging contract killer Ooh. as he makes the rounds from hit to hit during one fateful evening in Los Angeles. Darwin, I Ching, adapt, bitch. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was some great script writing with that part. That wasn't the yeah. best. It wasn't the best line, but there were better. <laughs> there were better lines in this in this film that I enjoyed. 
Yeah. I forgot how silly this movie is. <laughs> like, genuinely. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. You forgot it, how depressing before the devil knows you're... you're I did. The, you forgot how depressing that was, and you forgot how silly collateral was. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you would have asked me, I would have been like, oh, yeah, it's a very intense, charged movie, which is not that it's not that, but that's like all I can think, whereas I also forget that Tom what is, Cruise... What is it with this guy? Yeah. Why is he shaking his head? Tell like him that? that you'll shove this cab up his fat ass. Yeah, and um, uh, I'm going to shove this yellow cab up your fat ass. Up his ass. Yeah. Anyway, um, not to mention, like, when they're in the hospital, it's like a buddy comedy, and mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get into all Don't you want to buy her flowers? She, she, carried, flowers. she, carried, you she carried you in her womb for yeah. nine months. Yeah. 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 Anyway. He uh, bought you the flowers. They're wonderful flowers. God don't God. talk about me like I'm not here, Mom. Yeah. What, oh, what, is he here? Yeah. Yes, he's what, right what, there, ma'am. What is he saying? What is he saying? Yeah, yeah. like, wow. Yeah. 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 So anyways, yeah. Um, myself and Nick definitely love this film and have talked about our admiration for this film and also just Michael Mann in general mm-hmm. um, for many years now, and I'm sure we've mentioned it before on this podcast yeah. numerous times, probably, so... Um, I guess I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a enormous fan of this film. Um, to me, you okay there? Yeah, because you were an, an enormous. Oh, you thought I was going to turn fan. into Paul Rudd's giant man here? No, I was just looking. You know, like there you are. Yep, they're there. I'm there. Yeah, good, perfect. They're, they're both pointing up and looking up at something. It's just like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're really not not great. It's okay. So. Uh, this is probably second on the Michael Mann list for me. Yeah. Ooh, really? Yeah. Big After fan. Heat? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. I like a lot of other of his films. I also haven't seen uh, a lot of his earlier films, so I re- should really do that. Not even Thief? Have I've seen, seen Thief. Thief. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah. I've seen Thief. Did we all watched it one time. That sounds right. Uh, one time. Here in the studio. Yes, yeah. I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And I've yeah. seen some of his more recent works, like yeah. the Miami Vice uh, and uh, the last film he did a while ago, which Black was Hat. called Black Hat. Love yeah. it. That was pretty good. It is. Mm. It wasn't great, but it was pretty good. Well, the big thing is apparently there's the director's cut, which is actually good and not just Michael Mann, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's only been in any form uh, on the ch- channel FX. What? Yeah, like literally FX showed the Black Hat director's cut, but it's never been put on a disc. It's never been, yeah, it's really weird. That's so something. I'm just waiting for a Criterion or somebody <laughs> to just put it on a fucking disc. I'm not going to TiVo a goddamn Michael Mann uh, director's cut version that has commercials. <laughs> yeah, that would be something. Yeah. So this film, I, uh, I actually really caught on to when I was younger, when it was... Uh, coming out because actually randomly from the promotional material uh, I really enjoyed the trailer and the trailer randomly ended uh, with one of my favorite songs ever which is Man in the Box by Alice in Chains and uh, that song is playing while you see uh, Tom Cruise on the back of the subway hanging off the end of it uh, back before that was a thing and in every fucking Marvel movie so it was just it was just an awesome visual to see in a trailer for a film that I you know was not a Michael Mann fan at the time really knew nothing about his history obviously I knew who Tom Cruise was and somewhat who Jamie Foxx was but uh, so going into this I, I had no real expectations when I first saw it you know 15 years ago uh, and I've been a huge fan uh, 
forever. I mean, I've, I've probably seen this film seven, eight times, something like that. Uh, and each time, uh, I really enjoy it just the same as the first time I saw this film. It has a lot of really wonderful moments, and there's just something about this particular film that that finds this this genuine. I don't I don't know what the best word is for, it, but it is it finds this genuine communication between characters that doesn't feel awkward. And I think some of the dialogue that's in this film definitely could have led to that. And I think it still somewhat does at a couple of different points. Uh, but at the same time, the, just the way that the characters interact with each other. And also the fact that this is such a weird film where there is never like more than three characters in a room at a time. Like this is just, literally two people in a cab for the most part but every time they go somewhere it's always just one of the characters going on to talk with these people or one of the characters going on so there's this really weird symmetry between this where there are a bunch of people in this film but you only really ever get one-on-one conversations uh between characters and it's pretty wonderful uh it definitely is a fantastic action film while at the same time definitely a drama and I really think Tom Cruise is putting on knocking on the door of one of his best performances here. Yeah, I agree. Um, You could talk about his earlier works and he does have good ones uh, that are fantastic. Uh, But at the same time here, he is delivering a pretty distinct character, insane performance in terms of a, a person who clearly has a lot going on, but at the same time is very well put together and reserved um, so there's just a lot packaged into that hmm. bundle, uh, or a lot bundled into that package. Anyways, uh, Tom Cruise uh, really delivers a very strong performance here, and I actually think Jamie Foxx also is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I just prefer Tom Cruise's performance probably yeah. over his. No, I, I think that um, for the fact that when you look at the poster for this film, when you look at the cover for this uh, this film, it's it's Tom Cruise's character Vincent with a gun and the word collateral. And it's like, that's, that's what this film is being marketed as. Like he outsizes every other personality in this film yeah. really. So, and this film also has one of my favorite fan theories of all time. And it's actually for the most part been proven. I think mm-hmm. me and Nick have talked about this before. Uh, the idea of Vincent intentionally not shooting, um, uh, What's his name at the end? Uh, not shooting Jamie Foxx's character. Okay. Uh, when they're having their final shootout. So I remember you, when I was rewatching this, because yes. I haven't seen this in five years. Uh-huh. Uh, I was remembering you bringing that up at a past conversation. Mm-hmm. But watching it this time, I have no idea what that's referring to. You, really? Yeah. Are you saying that he purposely uncocked his own gun? Like, what moment did he not hit him was it in the office when he's shooting at the window no no in the in the very final scene yes when they are in the subway facing each other through the subway doors yeah he my feeling is that he intentionally does not shoot him but his gun was out of ammo no what no i don't understand the entire clip falls i understand that so you're saying he did all that for show? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Now that I've seen it, I say no. That, okay. That makes no sense to me. Like, okay. Not because, like, 
no, it can't be. I just mean like I I just don't get that vibe. I, no, it can't be. I, I don't know. I the the last time I watched this, which was about two months ago, I always look for little hints that are going to prove my little theory that I mean, I've, he's trying to I'm shoot not, him to the whole movie. I'm not the only person who said this. No, by I'm the not way. saying you're not, and yeah, you're not, and I'm not saying it makes no sense. I'm just saying yeah. I. Having that in my head, I think I feel like when you would, when we had had the conversation, so I could only think about the movie abstractly and not really recall the specific moments. Mm-hmm. I could understand that from a character point of view, mm-hmm. but having seen the scene in question, I just don't see it at all acted okay. or I, there. Shown. There are just a lot of things about it that don't make sense that don't add up. Like, if they're literally facing each other and he is a very accurate person with a gun, why would he not shoot him? Um, but he does. No, but he, he does not he, shoot Jamie Foxx. Well, I mean, he goes to, and then the gun fucking breaks because he, I thought he ran out of ammo. I don't. He does I, after he tries to, he shoots bullets. Yeah, he shoots bullets. Yeah. Right. But... Well, also, too, when I went back and I, I rewound it last time I watched it, you literally see the <laughs> him the the gun he like the bullets are going straight into the door when he shoots at him. I don't know, man. I'm 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 so confused because I thought the last thing he did was he just was out of ammo, and that's right. the only reason why he lost. No, they're shooting at each other in that final scene. Right, but they're doing that by way of when they get light. I thought. I've, I've never read No, I'm just it saying way. I thought it was the idea was they're in the dark, they're waiting for the light to hit through the windows, and in that split-second window try, and I agree that, yes, he's a professional shooter, but also that's an unconventional situation, so therefore I feel like okay. it could be understandable as to why you might not get a a direct hit. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, it could I'm, be I'm, that he hesitated simply because he wanted him to live. I mean, that's, that's then why would he chase him throughout an entire... Yeah, I I have no real answer other than it's never added up to me why he wouldn't have shot him other than for the plot that J.B. Fox lives. But the more I've thought about it and the more times I've watched the film, it seems to me that the film is tipping its hand a bit that he actually does purposely not shoot him. Mm-hmm. So if that's my reading of it, yeah, that yeah. It, it, it is at best ambiguous. So If I genuinely didn't believe that Tom Cruise wasn't going to kill him or beat the shit out of him throughout the whole movie, I would maybe buy that. But he does beat when, the when? shit out of him at one when? point. When? What do you mean, when, what? He beats the shit out of him. What do you mean? Um, he literally punches him in the face, throws him against a cab. Okay. Uh, well, I'm just saying, like that. Okay. So I... I well, that, at, that's at, that's at, when? <laughs> that was your yeah, question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. At, 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 no, at, at no point does he ever literally... Shoot him. Well, no, then he'd be dead. Well. <laughs> and he wouldn't have a cab driver. Yes. I'm just saying, like, if I thought he was just, like, playing coy in the backseat the whole time, and, like... Uh... I, perso- I personally feel like Vincent's character somewhat has an affinity for Jamie Foxx's character at some point as the evening progresses. And you could easily just say that he's putting on a show just to have him go through the entire night. Um, but time after time when I've watched the film, I've always gotten that vibe yeah. that he, and I think that it's, 
it's great because what's so good about this film... I think he had an affinity for the jazz guy that he shoots point blank in the face. I want to talk about that scene. But No, I'm just saying, like, I think that was genuine. I, I don't think that stops job, him. It's literally his job to kill him. It's not his job to kill Jamie Foxx. It would because it would get in the way of his job, and he doesn't make... Dis- I think it technically gets That's why he would kill two no, muggers. I, I think that, that so this, is, this is very... To say that it's not part of his job, even though there was that scene between Mark Ruffalo when he was talking with the other when, – when they were on the scene of the first murder that Vincent committed, they didn't know like what was going on. It's like, yeah, you remember that one case that happened a couple of years ago where there was that taxi driver that, that drove around, killed, killed, All, killed, killed, killed three people, and then like just offed himself. And I'm just like, yeah, it's like the detective who was on that case, like he – Never really thought that that was true. He thought that there was something else, and I was like, and I feel like that scene obviously is meant to hint at the fact that Vincent has been here before. He's done this before. This is his mo, and this is like the, you're, you're saying that he didn't need to kill um, Jamie Foxx's character. Yes, he did because he has to tie up loose ends. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea that he was, was he was, was he was always made out to you, be the fall guy yeah. in, that, in that case. Yeah. At least that's how it started out. He was right. just going to do the same damn thing. And I, and I and I think I'm in agreement with you. Yeah. But I feel like through even this this sort of episode, like maybe something despite himself, like changed in wanting him to live. Yeah, I don't know. And, that, and that's the weird thing about it is I don't necessarily think that much changed about Tom Cruise's character. No. I feel like for whatever reason he has the feeling like he does not want to kill Vincent. Yeah, he actually he actually faced up with somebody who didn't resign themselves to die but actually just like just trying to actually like stop him. Yeah. And also too that literally just didn't have the exact same cynical view in terms of just wanting the money right. or or, right. or or anything like right. that. Also, too, really quickly before I hand it off, and again, I, I absolutely love this movie, so I'll just yeah. continuously just throw rose petals its way for the entire episode for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, the And one of the best parts of Tom Cruise's performance is the extraordinarily awkward time when he's talking about killing his father. Uh, and he almost plays it off like he was joking then afterwards, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Liver disease. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I, I love that because it feels genuine that he did actually murder his father. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it also feels genuine that he's saying that he, you know, so I think he's giving that character is putting on that great of a performance and, and Tom I thought he was just doing the, the idea that his father was a drunkard who was abusive and he could either have died of alcohol poisoning or he could have just died as an effect of being an alcoholic and being killed by his son. Yeah, I guess I didn't think of it as that he was telling a the truth in plain sight. No. I thought it was just him making a joke like, yeah, this is what you think of me. And maybe there has to be a tragic backstory behind it. Or maybe he's just a fucking alcoholic. And the no, fact but, that but, you but, can pull those 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 separate meanings from that sort of performance, I think, speaks to just how the, the the sort of synergy between like the writing and the actual actor like reciting those lines in that sort of context like i think that it, it just it yeah. works it works it, wor- it works it, what I'm trying to say. it works so, and yeah. it holds up to like multiple meanings of like what you want to see out of it and i i and that's sort of like one of the things that i enjoy about this film can i sort of like take on the yeah go right ahead man yeah i haven't seen this film in a very long time i mean i've probably seen it like bits and pieces of it like on like you know public television, maybe like FX, like 
maybe screened it a couple of times, but I've never actually sat down and watched it um, from start to finish since it first came out in theaters. Like this was actually one of my dad's favorite movies because he actually drove a taxi when I was like six, and he would always tell me about like the crazy stories that he would go through. So he really enjoyed this. Nothing film. like this right yeah nothing like this yeah nothing like this i don't think he would have survived through something like that um but yeah he was a really big fan of like um tom cruise's character and like the whole like crazy like shooting that he did with the uh the the, the two thugs that tried to like steal the briefcase uh that kind of like Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's sort of like oh, no. the weird, crazy, like CQC, yeah. like like military, like 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 pivot shooting that he was doing. Yeah, I I I I was really surprised to to come back to this film after so long and to see, at least in my opinion, how well it holds up. Like it's just, I think what I enjoy about this film is epitomized in like one scene, which is probably one of the most talked about scenes. It's such an incidental serendipitous moment of filmmaking where they're driving around and they come across like these, this, these two wolves or whatever that like trot against the, that, that trot over the, over the street. And they're just like pausing in front of it and just realizing just how bizarre this entire situation is they don't say anything and as soon as they pass and they sort of like drive past it and like you can see like the visible like change on their faces of like they're contemplating like what just happened and what did that actually mean and just like it's it's one of those it's fascinating to me in the case of the context of the story that you know this is all just what what like the 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 whole philosophy of Vincent is like, what does any of this mean, really? Like, it, like this is just like one one life on a on a on a speck in this cosmic dust, just like floating around anywhere, and just like Vincent could have easily just hopped into another cab at that beginning. He almost does. He almost does, but he doesn't. But the, the, he's like, no, no, man. I was like, I can take your fare. And to think that that one choice, that one incidental, like, come on, man, you can get in my cab would lead to such a course of events that all these things would transpire and that it would bring them to this one juncture that they would just so happen to cross paths with these two wolves in the way that it does. And what does that even mean? Does it mean anything? And just it's, it's more of just like how strange coincidences can, can, can stack up and, and how you have to sort of there's maybe no inherent meaning to that situation other than what, how are you changed for that experience and what are you willing to do after having gone through that experience? Like, what does that mean to you? Well, and I mean, this film would just not exist obviously yeah. if it didn't have the kind of things that happen throughout it. Yeah. Um, but going off of what you're saying Tucson, I mean this, the idea of him parking the cab exactly where the guy falls out at the beginning, yeah. like if that, that he would pick happen- up, that he would pick up the girl and get her card, yeah. who would be the the prime target for Vincent throughout this entire affair. Just the serendipity of all these things just coalescing together is just like it's so. It's it's it's. I mean, obviously, it's just writing. It's just it's just it's just tight writing. But it, like to to think like the verisimilitude of of this setting of him just being a a, a taxi driver at that time. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's just really compelling. It's 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 interesting to me. I'm just like, yeah, these are good characters. This is a good story. Um, the action is is really good. The music's really good. I 
did not look at the cast before I, I saw this. I remember that Jamie Foxx and, and Tom Cruise were a part of it. But as soon as I saw Mark Ruffalo, I was like, oh, shit. As soon as I saw Jada Pinkett Smith, I was like, oh, shit. And when as soon as I saw Javier Bardem, I'm like, holy fucking shit, what are you doing here? And I was just like, man, this is just tweaking me out. Like, I was not prepared for all of these sort of – these aren't cameos. And then you, you see, see Jason Statham in this movie. I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm freaking the fuck out right now. This is so weird. Uh, and that's, again, that's, that's, that's sort of like that weird serendipity. I know it's like casting, but I just, I just, didn't, <laughs> yes, it is. I just, I just didn't think that you would, you would come across these fucking people. And one of us, they didn't just walk on set. <laughs> I know they didn't just walk on set, but it's just like it's one of those things like you, you're dealing with something that's unexpected. And, 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 where, and where do you take that? Do you infer meaning out of that? It's like, no, it just so happens these – Actors were just casted in these roles, and they just thought they would be good for these roles. And just like, and the meaning that you take away from that is really anything that you just infer from it on your own. And just like, and that's kind of why I like this movie. Yeah, yeah. I like. Well, one of my favorite lines um, that happened early on, which was after Vincent killed the one guy who fell onto the uh, the taxi, and they Ramon. Yeah, Ramon. Then they they put him into the trunk. And um, what's Jamie Foxx's character's name? Max. Max. Yep. Yeah, Max. Max is trying to clean up the seat where uh, his 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 uh, sandwich spilled over and stuff. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm just like, "I have to clean it up. It's gonna leave a stain." It's like, "No." It's like, "Whatever." Lady Macbeth. The, the light turned green. And I'm just like, the fact that he made like a, an oblique reference to out out damn spot is like, I like that. That was funny. I, I enjoyed that. Um, also, too, the idea of and again, there's just a lot of. <laughs> Script coincidences that happen throughout this film, mm-hmm. um, but the fact that the two police officers who are going to pull oh them over God. Uh, get taken away because of the murder that just took that place. was that was such <laughs> a fucked up situation because it's just like he's he's literally Vincent is literally whispering in Max's ear. It's like yeah, you're gonna have to pop the trunk. It's like if you pop the trunk, then they're gonna end up in it. It's like the devil on your shoulder. It's like you better not pop that fucking. Which is trunk ironic because they actually, I don't, if he would have listened to him, I don't think. It would have been necessarily death for all. I just think Vincent knows how to can manipulate people, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah, and will just do that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying he can't kill a cop or something like that. I'm just saying, is that a situation he could have played it off as like, oh, this is his cat? I, I don't mm-hmm. know, but I'm just saying. Yeah. It. yeah, I'm sure there was something in the works, Ooh, uh, but at the same time, uh, the idea of the cops being called away because of that to save them in there. Or the being called away to a murder. It's so serendipitous, right? Right. Of, of yeah. which the body is in the trunk that they're at. Exactly. And yeah. it's just it's yeah. just like all these things just coalescing and you're like pulling it apart. I'm like, holy fucking shit. It's it's crazy. Um I love this movie. It's a great movie. Um it's pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh move on to Nick. Yeah. I think it's a pretty great movie. Mm-hmm. I um uh, I had mentioned to these boys that I had uh seen this a uh, movie for the first time in uh, the drive-in theater with a double feature of White Chicks and this movie. Clearly we know uh, which was the better. White Chicks. Excuse me, gentlemen. We're having a showing of White Chicks in the parlor. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, white Chicks. And I remember watching Collateral because I was excited that I was only like 13 and my parents were going to stay for the second movie. So, I mean, I got to watch it. And... um. I remember loving it when I was that young, and I hadn't really revisited it for at least a decade after that. Right, this you know, is about, just one of those films. Yeah, so it's been about five years ago. I rewatched it, and I like you two. So I'm like, wow, that really holds up. And mm-hmm. um, so now I get to rewatch it five years later for this. And once again, uh, I was f- 
I found myself very engaged with it. I do think that it didn't quite hold up as much this third time, which is to say that I pretty much feel like I'm on rock-solid foundation as to not going to go up or down anymore, um, because some of it did slightly feel sillier to me than I remembered. Um, some of the lines where I felt like sometimes the comedy was funny and sometimes it was trying. And um, like I think the first... 30 minutes of this movie is impeccable. I, I genuinely think from the opening scene to probably the probably when the cops show up to uh, pull them over, like from that set piece on, I feel like the movie does start to get a little meandering in a way that I... is very man-esque. What is it with this guy? Yeah. But that's the thing. There were some scenes like that with the the... Lenny or whatever his name was. Uh, I don't know. The CB. Lenny. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, the dispatcher <laughs> cab guy where, you know, he's got a uh, Vincent will make Max a better man by, uh, you know, making him stand. Not literally, but, you know, doing that whole kind of whatever. Um, some of those bits just kind of felt boring and like I don't think Vincent would care that much like I would buy him going to his mother's hospital because he gives a reason for that like Mm -hmm. you know the uh, uh, he's got to not break routine and things like that but then every once in a while things like that it would just kind of be whatever Um, Hmm. uh, I'm trying to think there was a few choices here okay one thing I will admit I didn't like and then I'll probably go right back to things I liked um Mm -hmm. And the one thing that's really holding me back from this whole ambiguous ending thing is that the last 15 minutes of this movie, in my opinion, Vincent becomes the Terminator. Like, before that point, I thought he was just really good at his job. But there's a literal music cue when he's riding on the edge of the subway where he looks like he's supposed to be a fucking machine and not in the... Oh, wow, he's a machine of a man. Like, genuinely, he is doing things that are just beyond comprehensible and just in the way he's able to. He is Joe Biden where there's generals in the Yeah, area. yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it just, like, because before that point, the movie is, I would say, pretty downright, uh, I wouldn't say realistic, but certainly grounded. Like, you know, even the, the gunfire is always super loud, although that always... Did throw me this time where it's That's like... That's a mannerism. Yeah, you. And um, things like that where it's like, you know, th- these things are messy, the whatever, but he's... But yeah, the last the whole subway thing, I'm like, this feels like a he, a villain was able to live much f- uh, more than they were supposed to mm. and then do extremely weirdly uh, mechanized things past that point. Um... But some things I liked, I uh, very much enjoy the casting here as well. I think that's one of Michael Mann's greatest assets is just putting people in a uh, blender and uh, letting them uh, just fucking, I don't know, bounce off of each other. And um, I, I think in general, the the two performances here from Cruz and uh, uh, Fox are pretty good. I think there were times when I Jamie Foxx was a little too dorky, like... Hmm. There was a moment when he was talking to the jazz musician, which is a scene I want to get to right now after this thing I say, where when he was quizzing him before he's going to fucking shoot him in the face, um, and he asked that question, Jamie Foxx just goes, music school. He went to music school, right? And I'm just like, you're not mentally challenged. Like, 
I get that you're stressed about He's this. He's just stressed because you don't want to see another guy get killed. I'm not saying that that doesn't make sense, but, like, here's the thing. If I'm sitting between two people who know jazz and I know a f- nothing about jazz and I've said that in character, I don't think I would have anything to offer more than the person who apparently knows everything about Miles Davis. Uh, so it just, I don't know. It's I don't, just... I, I don't find it as grating. He's just in a moment of desperation where he really just doesn't want to see this guy get killed. And Which he's, I agree, he's, but he's I just... feel like if his best shot is to shut up and, and let the guy Honestly, say. my, my, in my, fact, if we trace it, maybe he's the reason why he died. Cause he says music school. So then the guy <laughs> lists what music school he went to. No, 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 no. I, I. Well, actually, hmm, that's I'm actually a good point. That. Yeah. That's actually kind of a good point. Maybe yeah. if he would have shut up, maybe, if he, maybe he could have actually thought about the riddle of the question. Yeah, the riddle of the the riddle of the Sphinx. Yeah, so, riddle of the Sphinx. So let's talk about that scene. Uh, those are my general thoughts in a sense. I pretty much like it. I, I think the performances are pretty much great. I, I think the first half hour it never quite reaches, but uh, afterwards, but I very much enjoy it all the way up until like the last twenty minutes where I could actually take it. Like I like everything in the office building, but once they're able to just run across an entire city uh, and have very public shootouts while Tom Cruise just fucking Doc Ox that subway. Uh, I just, I just kind of, whatever. I thought, um, but the, the jazz player, the jazz, even, the jazz player, even answering the question was stupid. It was like, he knows that he's not going to live out of that situation. Yeah, right? But that here's the thing. And I would agree with that, but this, the way it's presented is that, that actor has given a performance in which he's su- it's suggested that his character thinks he's given the right answer. Right, yeah. And it's... so the idea that this white man <laughs> who hasn't played with Miles Davis, I'm just saying, like, they just established that not only does this character say he says he knows everything about Miles Davis, but he also has some credentials to just prove that he's been in this culture. And he's, so, re- he's related and to so Ryan he would, Reynolds from La La Land. Well, that's what I was thinking of, to be honest. Hmm. And he the fact that jazz. he would give the most Wikipedia answer ever, but it's the white guy who's like, no, man, he studied under the bird. Yeah. And it's like, so a black guy who loves jazz and has met Miles Davis doesn't would, know as much about it as the white guy. And it's just really fucking stupid. And I'm not saying he wouldn't have shot him if he got it right. But I think that would have been a more interesting scene. Like, he says it, and then he just shoots him. And then he just says, wait, I thought, this is, this, wasn't that right? Yeah, okay. he got it right. This is really random and has nothing to do with anything. Um, but <laughs> Continue. <laughs> uh, I've creepily always felt like the way that Tom Cruise sounds when he asks the waitress to have him come over to see with him sounds like he just had an orgasm. Oh, send him over. He's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> just, He's it, very into jazz. <laughs> Is that all, it's all that Yaz flute? Oh God! Nice from the same era too. Yeah, it was like the same year. Uh, yeah, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that scene is that scene's interesting only because I mean, there's a lot happening there. I mean, there's a lot happening in every scene of this film, but in terms of the idea of no one else being in the club, apparently everyone just left when they started talking. Yeah, uh, that was weird. <laughs> And apparently, uh, here's the other thing that's weird. And again, I pretty much love this movie. Uh, yeah, and you this can is... just murder someone in the middle of well, a pretty public establishment. First of all, they have time to get in there, have a drink while they are uh, performing, wait for everyone to leave, and then meet with them. Yet he's on this super tight schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> like... I just kind of go with it, but... No, but I, I agree. Uh, yeah. I do think this movie does what it wants to at every given turn yeah. with 
without regard for yeah. any. And I, I do personally think that this rewatch kind of graded on me a little bit, but that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy each individual scene. Um, you told Max when his flight is supposed to leave the next day, so yeah. I was just like... Yeah. And just talk about another writerly serendipitous moment. That's really this entire movie. Uh, but the uh, the fact that he tells that silly little L.A., you know, myth about the man who rides a, rides a subway. Oh, thank God they ran to a subway so that he could chuckle about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, we already talked a little bit about Javier Bardem in this film. But I do actually genuinely love that scene just because he sends him in being like, well, you're going to go fucking get the list again. Nope, you're going to go get the list. Um, And I do, again, everything comes back to what it's just for in the plot wise. But uh, the idea of him asking these really stupid questions and then that ends up being kind of what he goes to when Mm -hmm. he's trying to get the information out of him that he needs. He has to improv a, a sort of Adapt. a demeanor and an affect yeah. of a hitman of what he thinks Vincent would say in that sort of situation or what his version of Vincent would say in that situation so that he convincingly he can convincingly convincingly like, that's why I tried to correct um, you I should like to say um Basically put that across to Javier Bardem's character so that he can actually get the list. Along with, uh, first of all, here's another. Here's here's one thing where he fails. Uh, um, along with the silly timeline in the uh, the jazz club, um, maybe he just doesn't know this, but Hitman aren't really offering discounts. <laughs> so what? he's just, you know, it's not really a matter of like offering discounts. It's more of like a way of just like, you know what? Fuck Vincent for putting me in here to do this stuff. Yeah. Like, if, if I have to, if I'm gonna put my ass through on the line, yeah. like I'm just gonna undercut him just a little bit. I mean, that's cool, uh, but I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't make. He doesn't. It, I know that it doesn't make sense. He's, he, he's, but he's, he's really just. More, he's making it more obvious for Javier Bardem. I know, but he's really he's not thinking about Javier Bardem's character, or he you know, so he's thinking he's thinking <laughs> yes. about Vincent. He thinks that he's in the clear, and that he thinks he's like, you know what. After the shit that I've been through, he's going to get paid less for this shit. Fuck him. He's not getting paid anything. They're all dead. Yeah, I know. Um, one thing I was going to say mm-hmm. is uh, I don't know if this is one sign that one, – one element that did not age well for me, or maybe it's not even an aging thing, but maybe I just – whatever. But I was shocked <laughs> when I rewatched this today or yesterday, um, and – Vincent offered him $600. Like, I just, if I would have thought back on this movie, I thought it would have been at least a grand. But I don't know why, but for some weird reason, that felt like, nah, I, I'm good. Well, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't know that it's he's a murderer yet. No, I know, but I just meant, I don't know, to to, to go out of your For a whole way. night? To just drive for 600 bucks? I'm not saying I don't get it. That's probably just double what he was like, going to get paid. Right, exactly. Yeah, you can't make it too much money or else it's going to be really suspicious. Yes, drive me around for $10,000. What, no, is, what just, is what is this? No, uh, I didn't no, think it was no, going to be that. No, I just if, thought if, it would have been a if, grand. If he had, if he had known uh, he was a murderer, then yes, I would be with you. That True. Why, why was it only $600? Yeah. 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 I just, I don't know. If someone offered me a day's pay 
pretty. I mean, it was just over a day. Sure pay. that. Uh, I'm sure six hundred dollars is well over a day's pay for a Los Angeles he cab driver. He literally asked just... him what he made, and he said really? about four fifty. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, that's oh. what I'm trying to say. He all he's getting is a one fifty dollar bonus. That might for that one... might do it. And I'm not saying that wouldn't do it, but I'm just saying, like, because the movie goes out of his way to say what the financials hey, are man. here. He is a he is he, a smart, ahead of his time business owner. Like, you have got to pinch those pennies where you can. Well, but he wasn't going to do it. But somehow, then he just decided, yeah, okay, I guess the extra one fifty is. I, it was just one of those things where I just thought it would have been a gram, which would have been suspicious. But I just thought would have been like, okay, the wealthy, whatever, and therefore yeah. it was just something so random about the six hundred dollar. Uh, I'll give you three hundred right now. It's like, whoa, three hundred dollars. That's a Bubble Boy reference. Oh. No, actually, it should be five hundred dollars if it was. Uh... <laughs> yeah, red light max. Anything, anything else anyone wants to discuss? Because it seems like we're 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 not really. Oh, no. uh, I mean, it's a simple movie. Yeah, it, it I, I'm is, just yeah. saying, like, as far as I don't think it's like a slight against the film itself, as no, far no. as what it, it it. I just think it's a good movie to talk about in general because people may have forgotten that it's as good as you remember, yeah. or it's better than you remember, or yeah. whatnot. Um, I enjoy uh, quite a lot of things in this film. Uh, I'll say one thing. Uh, Michael Mann is, for being known for his crime dramas and whatnot, and that kind of machismo uh, masculinity mm-hmm. depiction and whatnot, um, I kind of I keep forgetting that. He is like the master of meet-cutes because mm. between the cab ride between Jada Pinkett Smith and Jamie Foxx in this movie, which I think is so fucking adorable, and um, uh, the... Uh, diner scene in Thief where James Conn goes on his first date with uh, his beau in that movie. Yeah, and he shows her that weird fucked up picture he made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but that's a 10-minute unbroken scene where like they actually hash out who they are, what they even, want in even, life. Even the diner scene. And I, I mean, was actually going to say yeah. the diner scene. Uh, wait, are you going in the same direction that I'm going? <laughs> well, I was going to... Are you going to say with Amy Brenneman? Yeah. Oh, that is pretty adorable. But actually, I was going to go with the full Monty and say that the diner scene between Al Pacino and ah. Robert De Niro is also fucking adorable. And it's basically a meet-cute as well, just one where they've already known each other for a little while. They just want to get do the fucking... <laughs> well put. Well, they want to feel the heat. Sure. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, I thought that was adorable. Good. Uh, that's, that's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead with my final rating. Uh, I am a huge, huge fan of this film. And, and even though we haven't really went on an excessively long discussion about it, uh, I still think this is an absolute wonderful film. I will not put it in the masterpiece category, uh, but I still give this a four and a half out of five as I think it is a very well done film by Michael Mann. Um, and also nails a lot of the elements that I like about the other films that he's made that I enjoy, like Thief and pub- even Public Enemies. Um, this this really has a lot of the same elements happening, while at the same time uh, having a pretty solid story throughout, even though if there are some silly, unique intricacies here. So overall, it's a four and a half out of five for me for Collateral. Yeah. 
I'm uh, I'm gonna have to give it a three and a half uh, out of five. I think that it's a competently made film. I really enjoy it. Um, I don't think it's extraordinary, but I would definitely recommend it just because I I was surprised to come back to this film after so many years and to enjoy it as much as I did and to take even more from it now in the intervening time that I've been able to just like have this like sit in the back of my mind. Um, yeah. It's a wonderful film. I give it a three and a half out of five. Uh, maybe surprisingly, based on how I've talked about it on the podcast, but hmm. I give this a four out of five. Yeah. I, I, I guess the way I talk about it sometimes is because I always think of it as lesser man because I just like his... <laughs> I just thought it was funny with lesser man. Lesser man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought it was a lesser man. I did, yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, because I just... I adore Michael Mann and everything he does, and I just think that even when he's not at the top of his game, he's at the top of whatever the hell he's doing genre-wise. And so I think this is no exception. The one thing I forgot, and I feel like we all kind of glossed over this, not to say that none of us noticed it, but we didn't really talk about it, but the uh, use of digital video in this film is fantastic. He's very famously... um, past the antiquated uh, fetishization of celluloid, which obviously I've been on this podcast saying how much I love that, but Mm. I don't want a filmmaker to do it just for the sake of it. And Michael Mann's a great uh, example of, like, your aesthetic is your own and it's not made by the, uh, you know, the tangible product that you shot your uh, movie with. And um, this is no exception because Collateral is one of his most gorgeous uh, films ever made. And I don't think the way he shoots video always works for people because he wants it to kind of be this uh, uh, almost hi-fi aesthetic that is very garish and unpristine because it's high definition and yet it's also not shot with like the top of the line uh, crystal clear cameras, and it's more of uh, it's more of what we think of when we think of like the the days of the uh, the burgeoning of uh, of when home camera like home video cameras were becoming like actually good and not just like you know, but like when Sony and whatnot were coming out with those like um, high DV, you know, yeah. uh, that kind of shit. It was after you were you were previously you were just happy that you had something. Yeah, but now yeah. you could go to the counter and see what camera was good for you because you could, it was like when TVs became affordable and you could actually pick one out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was like the early two thousands around when this was made. And and he just always does extraordinary things with it. The other thing regarding that is that obviously for the most part, I mean, unless he's doing something that's like a like a period piece kind of like public enemies. Like he is mm-hmm. pretty much going to do downtown Los Angeles as his backdrop. Yep. So yeah, no, I mean, that's his baby. And that, and that, you know, the nighttime fits into that sort of unrendered looking sky in the background of yeah. this kind of not fog necessarily, but this just, just kind of almost like a blade runner sky well, it's more behind smog. it. Like, it's, yeah. it's yeah. yeah, it's not this like poetic thing. It's just this, it's cityscape that somehow is still able to retain its beauty through a hint of man-made... Uh, in, <laughs> in, in, ah! Jesus. Uh, man-made... Ah! Oh, no, I, I already said that. Uh, emissions that uh, are so prevalent in uh, modern society and especially urban 
civilization. What's up, Toussaint? Nothing. Cool. So, uh, four stars <laughs> from me. Great. <laughs> Great. If you out there uh, have any thoughts on Nick's voices, or also the Keep film, them to yourself. Film Collateral... Uh, or any thoughts about the ending, and if you agree or disagree with myself or Nick, or think that my uh, theories are all really stupid, which is very much in your rights. You know what? That's a common theme here on Film Tank, <laughs> is you bringing up a theory, and then me just saying, fuck no, yeah. not because you're wrong I've had quite a few over the years that are pretty stupid. Uh, I've, had, I've had a couple that are good. Yeah. But for the most this part, is, yeah. this is definitely in the acceptable one. There was that you know? one time you floated the whole theory about Agent Smith being the one, but I think you really just did that to fuck with me and sort of a lead in for me. No, to like, that sort was of like tee that up. totally me just poking at the bear. Oh, <laughs> you totally were. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. I don't actually believe in that one. Yeah, it's a fucking stupid theory. No. Well, I mean, what if the Joker though is the hero of the Batman franchise? Oh my god, I've never thought of that before. But at oh least my Todd god. Phillips has, and he's ready to show us. Oh my god, you mean? Oh wait a minute. But what if there's a difference between a hero and a protagonist? Mm. Oh my god, I didn't pay attention in English class. Not all heroes wear capes, Tucson. Speaking of, really quick, Joker or mm. the Joker, the character. Uh, I listened to a very old episode of our old podcast. And I totally... Were we talking about Cesar Romero and his painted mustache? Ah, no. Ugh. No, but I totally forgot that we used to have an intro with film clips. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't forgive, forgive, but like I was like, oh, yeah. And then... Yeah, we used to have that until one time you told me that uh, you were hearing from people that they don't understand what's happening in our intro. Which I think is fair. I, I, I actually, the more I thought about it. Yeah, it was just one of those Originally, things. I feel like if we ever did it again, like it just needs to be shorter. No, I think it would, it would if it like had dialogue that made sense in between the yeah. narration. It would really, but yeah, it was just clips. Yeah, of films. you know what? That's fun. Yeah, it's a fun little relic. Yeah, it is. It's probably on what our like first like thirty five forty yeah. episodes. I think yeah. I was listening to forty something. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the first I can actually tell you the first episode with the new intro that we've had for years uh, was the Force Awakens episode. Oh, okay. I do remember that pretty clearly. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That actually makes sense. Yeah. So, anyone out there uh, who has any thoughts on this, or, again, my theory, and other people's theory, about uh, Tom Cruise and his shooting at the end, send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you can't uh, put an email together, you just want to find us on Facebook or Twitter, or even sometimes Instagram, yeah. uh, take a look at Film Tank Show. Uh, and in terms of finding our episodes, uh, I don't know how you were listening to this particular episode, but we always have them for you at filmtankshow.com. And also, too, you can find them on either iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, and also, too, it would be awesome if you could either rate or even give us a review on one of those services because it actually does really uh, help in terms of findability for podcasts. Let us know what you'd like to to hear from us. Let us know how we could improve. Let us know what you want us to keep on doing because really, as much as we love doing this, we're also doing it for you too. There's just a million reviews on it and all of them just talk about how much they love Toussaint. No, they don't. What? No. Tui. Oh, come on. No. No. I would say I would say if I was if I was Sort of spitballing, I would say that 
Nick would be the most popular of this podcast <laughs> because you say some anarchic, weird ass <laughs> shit. Oh boy! And then followed by Alex. Don't tell me that. Yeah. No, I, it's I, true. I, I just say don't say it. Uh, yeah. I uh, last week, and I I don't have, and even though I've improved my vocabulary and also just in terms of my film palette over the years mm-hmm. i do still somewhat envy both of you because of the way you're able to talk about films and Aww. somewhat i'm not don't always fall into the exact same boat yeah. so really enjoyed uh you know there was like a good 10 to 15 minutes where you guys were just going back and forth on our episode on us and i yeah. really enjoyed that so yeah. That was a fun episode. It was. It was a good episode. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should listen to that one. You should. Yeah. It's the one that's it, probably right up before this one. And it is the one, just like Hugo Weaving. Oh, you know what I just remember, too? Like That was the episode where oh, I wouldn't say... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it took like 14 seconds. No, because I, <laughs> I, I was focusing on what Nick said, and then I realized, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, um, I think specifically, too, I just remember... Uh, during your final ratings, we went off on a tangent because I, mm-hmm. I would say, almost derailed, but somehow was able to keep it under a s- s- actual train of thought. Mm-hmm. And then we had like interesting conversation nested within conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was a good episode. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, definitely. All right. And Sam was here, so we get to do the door knocking thing. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Never gets old. Nope. I think that's why the listeners listen to this podcast is for. Tucson's Foley uh, effects. Yeah, to see who our guest is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, yes. So on our next episode, uh, I'm going to make an attempt to see if we can have a guest join us, which is our former co-host, Kenny. We'll hey. see. We'll see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try for it. If anything, I'm going to try to get his review on it because I know he okay. is really looking forward to this episode we're going to do. Well, specifically the film we're going to do an episode <laughs> on next, which is the remake uh, of a film that previously came out, but also a continuation of a classic Stephen King novel, uh, which is Pet Cemetery. Uh, this film stars two super underrated performers, in my opinion, which are Jason Clark and also John Lithgow, who I'm a huge fan Actually, of. Actually, I would say three underrated, because also Amy Simons oh, is fucking fantastic in I, when she's in something. Yeah. Uh, I First of all, I... The trailers are not even really... I was going to say, I don't even really remember that yeah, she's in this. But she so. is in it, and if it's anything like the book and the original story, then she'll be an important so, character. So, I will say, I know very little about the actual story. Uh, however, I do feel like this has and first of all this looks like the kind of horror film that I would actually like and secondly though I feel like this is great because this is horror that involves children but at the same time they are not the center you know they're not they're not the central character in it no and I think that's pretty fantastic that you can have that in the background while still having you know Adult actors performing throughout the, well, the actions. I, I, I haven't, haven't, haven't. I was going to say you haven't seen it, so I will say they're more important than the trailers would suggest. Yeah. If it's anything like what the mythos usually is, um, I will be curious to know if in 2019, like, there's no way they can't do it because the story doesn't make sense. But how they tackle the centerpiece event that has to happen involving a child because it's just a horrific thing and um if they actually show it 
uh, not necessarily like have to go all in on like Lars von Trier, <laughs> fucking eat it, <laughs> like whatever. Um, <laughs> um, but like, it better not just be like characters watching something happen and going, oh boy. And then cut to the next scene and it's over. Yeah. Um, so, well, anyway. Because the 80s movie, wow, that was a made-for-TV movie, so literally there's no blood or whatever. You feel that scene happening. So, hmm. so Well, anyway. I will find out what that is yeah. when I see the film. And we will talk about it coming up on episode 188. So, uh, from Tucson Egan, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Diekman, as always, thank you very much for listening to us here at Film Tank, and uh, we can't wait to catch up with you next time. <laughs>